This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I am an attorney retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant and expert witness, an author and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to speak about collapse as defined and as used in insurance policies. Basically, a collapse is a sudden or relatively abrupt occurrence causing serious structural damage and not, not a gradual occurrence over a period of time. A homeowner's insurance policy will most likely provide collapse coverage for any serious impairment of structural integrity. Consequently, the term collapse in its plain, common, and ordinary sense means a falling down, falling together, or caving into an unorganized mass. Now, people don't like that definition. They want to stretch it. And in Rosen versus State Farm, a 2003 decision of the California Supreme Court, the Court of Appeals' choice to not enforce a clear and explicit policy clause because it found the existence of an overriding public policy that mandates such coverage was wrongful. In reversing the dangerous Court of Appeal decision, the Supreme Court refused to follow the so-called public policy basis for the Court of Appeal's decision to compel coverage because such logic without restraint would allow courts to convert life insurance into health insurance, rewriting the coverage provisions to conform to their subjective notions of sound public policy the trial court and the court of appeal exceeded their authority, disregarded the clear language of the policy and equally clear holdings of the Supreme Court. To rewrite the provision imposing the duty to indemnify in order to remove its limitation to actual collapse would compel the insurer to give more than it promised and would allow the insured to get more than it paid for, thereby denying their freedom to contract as they pleased. The Washington State Supreme Court, answering an inquiry from the U.S. District Court, concluded that rather than adopt a fixed definition of collapse for all insurance contracts, it would apply Washington law, to interpret what it called the ambiguous term collapse in the insurance contract before the Ninth Circuit. The Supreme Court concluded that in the insurance contract, collapse means substantial impairment of structural integrity. Substantial impairment of structural integrity means substantial impairment of the structural integrity of a building or part of a building that renders such building or part of a building unfit for its function or unsafe under the clear language of the insurance policy. 
and it must be more than mere settling, cracking, shrinkage, bulging, or expansion. This was uh, the Ninth Circuit in Queen Anne Park Homeowners versus State Farm Fire and Casualty, a 2015 decision of the Washington Supreme Court advising the Ninth Circuit. Courts that take the position that the building need not actually fall down for there to be coverage for indemnity generally require substantial damage or proof of imminent collapse before the collapse coverage will be triggered. This rule was applied by the Pennsylvania Court of Appeals in a case called Dominic, which defined collapse as a complete falling of the structure and or reduction of the building to a flattened form of rubble. The Pennsylvania court concluded that the term collapse was not ambiguous and held that for there to be coverage for the collapse of a building, the structure must either fall together or fall in. Some courts find the term collapse to be ambiguous and expand the definition of collapse to include substantial impairment of the structural integrity of the building. Other courts claim to have adopted the broad meaning because that meaning typically is more favorable to the insured. The Michigan Court of Appeals found the so-called modern approach to be the better reasoned approach in Vormelker v. Olkinsiski, a 1972 decision. Utah would follow the modern trend for a number of reasons. One, although the insurer urges that the collapse should be defined as being reduced to a flattened form of rubble, the insurer did not include this definition in its policy, even though it certainly could have done so. Two, although the insurer's policy states that collapse does not include settling, cracking, shrinking, bulging, or expansion, it is virtually impossible to imagine a collapse, even defined as being reduced to a flattened form or rubble, that would not involve some of these attributes. Thus, the insurer's use of the term collapse is fairly susceptible to being interpreted as not including mere settling or cracking, but including settling or cracking that results in substantial impairment of a home's structural integrity. Three, some of the dictionary definitions of collapse include definitions such as a breakdown in vital energy, strength, or stamina, and sudden loss of accustomed abilities, which suggests that the term collapse is fairly susceptible to an interpretation that it means a substantial impairment of structural integrity, and four, to require a building to fall down before allowing coverage would be unreasonable in light of an insured's duty to mitigate damages and would be economically unsound. In King v. North River Insurance Company, a 1982 decision of the South Carolina Supreme Court, they reviewed a case where the insured's roof had collapsed due to the weight of accumulated rainwater. The insurer denied the claim, asserting the collapse was not caused by a named peril. 
Although the trial court directed a verdict for North River, the Supreme Court reversed because, quote, it is generally sufficient to prove the event insured against was the efficient cause of the loss, even though not the sole cause, where an expert has testified the accumulated water on the roof would not by itself have caused the roof to collapse, a reasonable jury could find that the clogging of the downspouts was the efficient and proximate cause. In Jordan versus Allstate, a 2004 decision of the California Court of Appeal and a 2007 decision of the California Court of Appeal. The court stated that it seems self-evident that the policy's use of the term entire collapse necessarily must refer to an actual, not an imminent collapse. For a building or a portion thereof to sustain an entire collapse must be mean that it has entirely collapsed, that it is wholly, completely, or fully collapsed. Put another way, to cons constitute an entire collapse, there must be a total collapse. It would make no sense to apply such description to a collapse that was merely imminent whether a potential collapse that is properly described as imminent will result in an entire or total collapse or something less, or no collapse at all, is a matter of pure speculation unless and until such collapse actually occurs. And of course, it's the duty of an insured who is faced with an imminent collapse to protect his property from a future covered loss. So the Court of Appeal sustained the appeal and sent the case back to the trial court to determine if there was, in fact, an entire collapse. The decision requires an entire, complete, total collapse. In the court's view, the term entire collapse is susceptible to only one reasonable interpretation. That is the one the trial court adopted. Coverage under the collapse exception must apply only, only to an actual collapse. The burden of establishing that the claim policy exclusion defeats the insured's claim to coverage falls on the insurer, of course particularly in view of the policy's express provision of coverage for collapses caused even in part by weight of rain. The insurer must demonstrate the clear and unmistakable applicability of the relied-upon exclusion. In South Dakota, for example, after reviewing the issue, the court elected to follow those jurisdictions that have adopted the approach which defines collapse to include not only actual collapse but also imminent collapse. Imminent collapse is defined as likely to happen without delay, impending, or threatening, and requires a showing of more than substantial impairment. The South Dakota Supreme Court, 
concluded that the most reasonable con construction of the term collapse is to define it to include imminent collapse. This was Properties versus Midwest Family, a 2011 decision of the South Dakota Supreme Court. In Johnson Press of America versus Northern Insurance Company of New York, a 2003 decision of an Illinois appellate court upheld the need for fortuity before there can be coverage under a policy. In 1998, without any interference from natural forces, a vacant two-story brick building built in the early 1900s collapsed. The insurer's adjuster found the collapse occurred as a result of long-term decay due to the plaintiff's failure to maintain the roofing of the building. There was severe wood decay caused by water infiltration. Based upon those facts, the court found that the dilapidated condition of the building demonstrates that the collapse of the building did not happen by chance or accident. It was expected. Since plaintiff, the insured, failed to establish a prima facie case that the loss was due to a fortuitous event, the insurer is not liable even though there was an actual and total collapse of the structure. Fortuitous, explained the Illinois court, means happening by chance or accident or occurring unexpectedly or without known cause. An all-risk policy covers only those losses that were actually risked by the parties, a loss that was, so far as the parties knew, an inevitable certainty at the time of contracting is not fortuitous, and it will not be covered by the resulting contract. On the other hand, Recognize that many policies specifically insure against collapse due to hidden rot or other hidden causes. Another Illinois case, Mattis v. State Farm in 1983, concluded that plaintiff's damage was expected or inevitable. However, expected or inevitable inevitable does not mean the plaintiff knew that the damage would occur within the policy period when the insurance policy was purchased and therefore allowed coverages as fortuitous. When analyzing the question of coverage for a collapse, it is reasonable to use the efficient proximate cause test to determine if the loss by collapse falls within the coverage. A plain reading of the policy language demonstrates that although a collapse is not covered under the covered causes of loss provision, a collapse caused only by hidden decay is covered under the additional coverages provision or as an exception to the exclusion. In essence, every court, every lawyer, every adjuster must read the full policy before making a determination of coverage. This video was adapted from 
My book is Alma on Insurance Claims Part 104, Second Edition, and is available as both a Kindle book and as a paperback. And this part of the video explains that if you are faced with a claim for collapse, it is best because of the differences in the various states to seek the advice and counsel of an experienced insurance coverage lawyer before making a decision on the claim. If you found this video to be useful or of interest, please refer it to your colleagues. It's free. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, where there is now over a hundred videos and my blog so that you can be advised of future blog postings and videos. Thank you for your attention.